Hey, come on. Good morning, Go Church family. How you feel today? You feel good? Man, uh, let, me, let me just take a moment here. Uh, during my prayer time today I, and then during worship uh, a few minutes ago, I just overwhelmed with appreciation. So before we get in the message, I just want to tell you the joy of my life is being your pastor. And uh, looking across this room and, of course, to our other campuses in Maryland and the west side of Atlanta, um, just really grateful. And so today, I pray that as we dive into the Word of God together, uh, that the Lord would speak to you in a powerful, life-giving way. With as many people that are a part of our Go Church family now, it is a fact that some of you are really going through some stuff, but there is a God. Can I get an amen? There is a God who does miracles. We'll talk about that more in a moment. I do want to greet all of you. Some of you are new to Go Church for the very first time. Walking in today, I met a new friend who has been watching online in the room for the first time today. That's many of your stories, so we welcome you, whether it's at our broadcast campus here uh, in Montgomery County, Maryland, on the west side of Atlanta, or maybe you are watching online today. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever campus you're a part of, we just say God bless you. So come on, Go Church family, every campus, put your hands together, greet one another, come on. Oh, come on, we're the family of God. Let's go. And then uh, we, we do have a, a little bit of a tradition here. It, it's a part of my introduction every week. And how many of you know that not all tradition is bad tradition? Come on, we should get back to some traditions. But anyway, that's another sermon for another day. Uh, but one of the traditions we have is before we open the Word of God together, we give honor and appreciation to the men and women that are serving in the military, that includes the veterans of the military and all of our first responders. So if that's you today, whatever campus you're a part of, we just want to show you some love. Would you put your hand up if you're a part of the military or a first responder? I want every campus to respond with appreciation. God bless you. Oh, come on, a little bit louder. Come on. Thank you for serving. Thank you for serving. God bless you. Really good. Okay, today... We are in week number four of a series that we're doing here at Go Church called The God of Miracles. If you've missed any of the previous weeks of this series, all of our messages are available on demand through the website, on YouTube, and all of that. Um, the reason that we decided to do a series called The God of Miracles, genuinely because I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to do so, but maybe like many of you, as you close one year and you begin a new year, you pray for a word for that new year. Does anybody do that? Like, so I was just praying. All right, where's, what's the word for 2023 uh, for my life, for my family, for the Go Church family? And so the Lord led me to Psalm 77, 14. Uh, many of you now have this memorized and you can quote it, which is powerful. Because some of the most powerful prayers that you can ever pray are when you pray the scriptures. Can you say amen? That's why scripture memorization is so important. Because when life gets overwhelming or difficult, the most powerful prayers that you can pray are the promises from God's word. So Psalm 77, 14 says this. Every campus, I'd love to read it together on three. One, two, three. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. Now I'm going to ask you to do it again because this time, say it and pray it like you're desperate for a miracle. You ready? One, two, three. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. So from this scripture, we've declared 2023 to be the year of God's miracles. And so we've launched into this sermon series called The God of Miracles. 
it's been a powerful series so far. I believe today uh, the Lord has given me a word to share with you. I do want to tell you the next couple of Sundays, just to kind of uh, give you a little appetizer for what's to come. Next Sunday, I'm going to do an illustrative sermon. Uh, I don't always use illustrations for sermons. Uh, however, I'm going to say something that's, that's a pretty bold statement. Uh, you will never forget the illustration, ever. I don't know if the message is going to be any good. Come on, somebody. But the illustration you'll remember for the rest of your life. So I would encourage you to be here next Sunday. And then if you've got family or friends, it's a great Sunday to come. Because, again, the illustration will stick with you forever. That's a guarantee. That's the 12th, next Sunday. The 19th, which is the, the final week of this God of Miracles series, we're declaring this day to be Miracle and Healing Sunday. Can I get an amen? All right. So let me say this to some of you that your faith background is unfamiliar with prayer lines, healing lines, anointing oil, people praying over you. Like that may be something that's uncomfortable and unfamiliar. No one, even if you show up to a Go Church campus, is going to force you into anything. That's not our heart at all, okay? So you can come and just observe. You can watch online. But there are a few hundred of you that you believe with me in the power of laying on of hands, anointing with oil, calling on the elders of the church to lay hands on the sick, and the Bible says they shall recover. Now, God can heal anybody in any moment that he wants to, but there's something powerful about a corporate time of, of, of prayer and faith and laying on of hands. So uh, we've made, with our volunteer prayer team, right at 2,000 prayer cloths. Uh, one of the reasons that I wanted to do that is because, personally, I can't lay hands and pray for everybody. But my wife and I are committed to personally praying and anointing every prayer cloth with oil and prayer, personally. They'll come across my desk in the next couple of weeks. We'll pray and anoint every one of them so that you can... And I, by the way, my prayers aren't any more powerful or anointed than your prayers. Say amen to that. But many people just say, I just want the pastor to pray for me. And this is one of the ways that I feel like I can give you a personal touch. So Montgomery County, those prayer cloths will arrive before the 19th and West Side as well. And then on the 26th, Charlotte Gamble will be here. Uh, she's tremendous. We'll tell you more about her in the weeks to come. But a lot of great things happening at Go Church. So, all right, let's get into the word together today. Week number four of the God of Miracles. I want to pray for you. You pray for me. We always like to take about 10 seconds of just a moment of concentration and reflection. Your week has been busy. This upcoming week may be busy. So in these 10 seconds, you're simply inviting God to speak to you. I'm not asking you to pretend away your busyness or pretend away your challenges. All I'm asking you to do is to invite the Lord to speak to you, to open your spiritual ears, your spiritual eyes, and your heart to receive what God has. 10 seconds, and I'll pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I worship you. I feel your Holy Spirit here, and I am so grateful that you are in our midst. Because if you're not here, then this is nothing more than just kind of a social uh, community. But when you show up, it becomes a spiritual gathering. And so I give you the glory for what you're going to do today. I need to be anointed from you. I'm not standing on the stage trying to impress anybody. I just want to be used of God to impact somebody. So touch my life, speak to me and through me. 
and open up ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive what you have in store for us today. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray, because there is no name like the name of Jesus. And together, everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus. Come on, church family, let's go. Oh, come on, you can do better. Come on now. All right. Take something to write some notes with today. There's a message note card in a, a seat near you. Uh, many of you use a journal or you've got a, uh, a smartphone where you take, you know, notes in your, your note application. Just turn that smartphone on. Do not disturb so that you're not distracted and whatnot. But um, today I want to share with you what I would call one of the most moving miracles in the entire ministry of Jesus. Now, how many of you know, and this sounds comical, but it's actually meant to be true, but every miracle that Jesus did was miraculous. Come on. So it doesn't matter the, the ex extremity of the miracle that anything that Jesus did is miraculous. But there are some stories in the Gospels that really stand out, and I would even say, here's a word, like they are riveting, and they are impactful, and they stick with you, and, and this is that story. It's the story about the woman with the issue of blood. And while her sickness and pain and disease may not be exactly your sickness, pain, or disease, there are a couple of reasons that I want to share this story with you today and why I feel like you can find yourself within the story and within the miracle. Does that make sense? So, so two primary reasons I want to use this story here. The first one is, is because there's hardly a person that I know who can't relate to struggling with something for a long period of time. So for a lot of you, what you've been walking through, the storm that you're in, last Sunday we talked about the thorn in the flesh, like that's not anything new. Now for some of you it may be a new report or a new challenge or a new dynamic, but for many of us, man, we've just been going through some stuff. Can I get 50 people that would say, that's me, like I just, in my life, I've just been going through some stuff. And then secondly, there are very few people who... They don't need a miracle of some kind. Um, again, many people need a physical healing. Uh, many marriages need a relational healing. Many homes and families need relational healing. Many of you need a financial healing. Many of you need emotional health or mental health. So again, while her disease uh, that we'll read about here in just a moment out of uh, the New Testament, while her disease is, is not exactly mine or your disease, there are a lot of similarities. So this story, the woman with the issue of blood, can be found in three Gospels. The Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I want you to go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 8. We're going to look at this story from, from Luke's perspective. And one of the reasons that I've chosen to use Luke's writing about the miracle that happened with the woman with the issue of blood, and I don't want you to miss this. I know a lot of you know it, but this is important. Luke was a doctor. Luke was a physician, and so here you have a doctor writing about a disease that a doctor in medicine couldn't cure, and I just think that's really powerful, that even, and I thank God for doctors, come on somebody, and if you are a doctor, I've got this little thing, and no, I'm just kidding, you know how that goes, um, I thank God for doctors, thank God for medicine, thank God for hospitals, so this isn't putting any of those medical professionals down, but there are just some things that man can't do. That only God can do. Come on. Can you, can you give me an amen right there? So I want to read from Luke's perspective because here's a doctor that in his writing is like, well, tried, no hope. 
but there is a great physician, and his name is Jesus. A little context here. So Luke chapter 8, if you've got your Bible and you open it, you see a lot of things happen before you get to verse 43, and that's where the story picks up. Um, You've got the parable of the sower to open up the chapter. Later on in the chapter, you see that Jesus gets in a boat with his disciples. He's going across the Sea of Galilee uh, to get to the the region of the, the, the Gerasenes before he gets there while he's on the boat. This massive Category 5 hurricane suddenly appears in the middle of the waters. Uh, The winds begin to blow. The the waves begin to rock the boat. The disciples are terrified and afraid. And Jesus, the Bible says, is on the back of the boat with his head on a posturpedic pillow. Come on. He's asleep. And the disciples run to Jesus and they say, hey, you got to wake up. you got to help us because we're about to drown. Jesus gets up. He rebukes the winds. He rebukes the waves. Immediately, the storm goes away. Uh, there's calmness and peace. And then the disciples say, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? Then they get to the region of the Gerasenes. And there, Jesus finds a man who is possessed by demons, plural. As a matter of fact, Jesus asks him, and this is in Luke 8, asked him, what is your name? And he says, my name is Legion, for there are many demons. So Jesus, by his miracle working power, rebukes the demons, casts the demons out of the man, and throws them into a herd of swine, into a herd of pigs. And there your Bible says that the pigs ran off the cliff, off the mountain. They jumped into the Sea of Galilee, and there all of the little piggies drowned. And you're telling me your Bible is boring? Come on, somebody. <laughs> if I had time to preach to you a couple sermons, I would preach that, uh, that story or that sermon and title it, The Devil Can't Swim. If this wasn't double-breasted, I'd unbutton this right now and start preaching, but it'll take me 10 minutes to get redressed. The devil can't swim. Why is that important? Because all throughout Scripture, we see the the symbol of the Holy Spirit likened to water. And when you get full of the Holy Spirit, when you get full of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So there is no devil in hell that you should be intimidated of or scared of because if you've got living water in your body, the devil can't swim. But I don't have time to preach that sermon. Luke 8, 43, now we pick up the story of the woman with the issue of blood. I'll read you the whole story, the whole miracle, and then we'll unpack it together, beginning in verse 43. There was a woman in the crowd. Now, this is important here because when Jesus gets done with the miracle uh, in the region of the, the, the Gerasenes, he comes back to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and they port at Capernaum. They port at Capernaum. And when Jesus... When his feet touched the sandy seashore, say that five times fast, the crowd of people consume him. By this point in the ministry of Jesus, his fame had reached a feverish pitch. And rightfully so. I mean, he was a man that was healing the sick. He was restoring sight to the blind. I mean, people were being delivered and set free. And so Jesus gets to Capernaum and the mob of people, the crowd of people surround Jesus. And and so I don't know if you've ever seen The Chosen. 
uh, I've, I've tried to watch, and I've, I've not really gotten into it as much as Kimberly and, and my mother-in-law. I think they've seen every episode and, and whatnot. And so, uh, but Kimberly told me that I needed to watch a particular episode about the woman with the issue of blood. And so I watched it yesterday, and now I'm hooked on The Chosen. I mean, it's like, it's, it is riveting. And in The Chosen, in this particular episode, it gives you such a glimpse of the amount of people that would surround Jesus. And in that crowd is a woman. And this woman suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And everyone began to deny it, and Simon Peter speaks up, and he says, Lord, Master, the whole crowd is pressing up against you. Everybody is touching you. And Jesus says, no, 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 this, this was different. Uh, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power flow out from me, or power go out from me. And when the woman, verse 47, when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, and I'll tell you why she was afraid to reveal her, herself and what she had done. When she realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble. And she fell on her knees in front of Jesus. And, and the whole crowd in that moment heard her side of the story. They heard her explain, well, Jesus, what had happened was the reason why. Here's the reason that I touched you and and then her explanation that when I touched the hem of your garment, I was immediately healed. In the final verse in this story, and Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Can you say amen to the word of God? Come on. All right. It's the most beautiful illustration of someone who is desperate for a miracle that they are willing to go to the extremes to get it. Three very, very simple truths here that I'll share with you. I can do all of this in 25 minutes. Come on. Do you believe in the God of miracles? We'll see. Number one is this. Write this down. Faith to receive a miracle will always require a risk. Look at somebody and say, that's true. Go ahead and tell them. Say, that's true. Faith to receive a miracle is going to always require some type of risk. And as you're taking notes, or maybe in the margin of your Bible, which I'm going to give you permission. It's all right to write in your Bible. Come on, take notes there. There's a margin there. I would write next to the woman with the issue of blood. I would define her as a radical risk taker. Now, it was not unusual that where Jesus went, that the crowd followed. And in the crowd were a lot of women that followed Jesus. That's not unusual. What would be unusual, however, is that a woman like her would be in the crowd. She wasn't allowed to be there because she was sick. The Bible says that for 12 years, she suffered from some type of gynecological disease, some type of issue where she bled without any stopping for a decade. And watch this. According to the Jewish law, and you can read this in Leviticus chapter 15, that any woman that was menstruating, whether that was on her natural cycle or by disease, they were considered to be unclean. And that unclean woman was not allowed to touch a man, and a man could not touch that woman, or they both would be unclean, and they would have to go through a purification process, and they could be punished by law. So her, her attempt to expose people 
and the crowd and the men and mostly to expose Jesus to her uncleanness. That's punishable. She could be at minimum outcast from the society or maximum punishment. She could have received execution. They could have stoned her to death. But she was a radical risk taker. I want to ask you this question, and, and, and the other two points, I'll preach a little bit longer than the first one, but what, what will your faith require you to risk in order for you to get your miracle? Uh, let me say it to you like this, and, and hear what I'm trying to, to, to teach. What are you willing to give up in order for you to go up in God? Faith will always cost you something. Salvation is free. Jesus died on the cross. He shed his innocent blood on the cross. You can't buy your salvation. Can you say amen to that? But faith will cost you something. Faith will require you to sacrifice something. A desire to be healed, a desire for a miracle means that you've got to leave some things and maybe even some people behind in order to pursue the miracle working power of God. What, what will your faith require you to risk? Your reputation? Your job? I think about Grandpa, Pastor Allen's dad, converted as a Hindu. And the moment that he accept, accepted Jesus, he was abandoned by his family, an outcast from his family because his faith required him to take a risk. So what is it for you that if you're desperate for something, which ultimately should just be more of the Lord, what are you willing to lay down? What are you willing to give up in order to get to that place in God where he sees and hears your cry of desperation and he responds on your behalf. Does this make sense? For some of you, it, it's this. A miracle and healing Sunday? Nah, that ain't for me. I'm not going to walk through some prayer line. Ain't nobody going to touch my head. You touch my head, I'm going to touch your head. And pray for me. Or maybe just a simple act of obedience to say, I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. I didn't grow up like that. But if the power of God is there, I'm willing to put my reputation at risk. I'm willing to lay my fear down and just say, man, if all I got to do is walk and somebody will pray for me, let me walk. Can I get an amen from somebody? So again, faith to get your miracle is always going to require you to risk something. And this woman, she risked her very life. Although for her, what was her life worth? She was about to die. And Jesus was her last hope. He was her final resort. Second thing that I want to share with you out of this story is that you, you can't just rub elbows with Jesus and expect to get a miracle. Look at somebody and say, ooh. Now, I understand that when, when we built this platform, it elevates me a few feet higher than you. But I'm not preaching down to you here. I'm, I'm preaching to me as well. Why is it in that crowd, with the amount of people that were there, why is it that she was the only one in that moment to get a miracle and a healing and a blessing from Jesus? I mean, think about it. People are suffocating Jesus, and, and she's able on her hands and knees to crawl through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment, and Jesus stops. And he says this. He says, who touched me? And Simon Peter says, Lord, respectfully, but like, are you having a sunstroke? Maybe the heat is getting to you? Because when I look around, 
Everybody is touching you. Everybody's brushing up against you. Everybody is pressing up against you. And Jesus says, yeah, but they're just rubbing elbows. Somebody deliberately touched me because I felt healing power flow out for me. I don't have a lot of time because I promised you 25 minutes. But let's do a quick word study on that English word touched. You ready? In the Greek, that word means hapto. Hapto. It literally means to fasten to or to adhere to or to cling to. So this woman, although she barely touched just a thread of the garment of Jesus, what she was experiencing was this desire to be fastened to Christ. To not just go through the motions of Christianity, but to press in and hold fast to Jesus, to cling to God with unwavering faith. Watch this. So verse 45, what Jesus is saying is this, who clung to me with their whole being? Hapto. Who touched me with unwavering faith? I tell you, there's a difference here. There's a difference of, of rubbing elbows with Jesus and touching Jesus on purpose. The reason she got her healing, the reason she got her blessing, the reason she got her miracle is because she touched Jesus on purpose, deliberately. Can you give God an amen right there? Come on, let's go. She touched him with deliberate desperation. I'm going to pastor you for just a moment here. And uh, if you'll love me through this, um, we'll be better for it, and you'll be back next Sunday. If what I'm about to say offends you, oh well. Can I get an amen? amen. There is such a difference between having a deliberate desperation in your relationship with God Versus just religious obligation. Religious obligation says, well, I'll go to church when I can. I'll, I'll read my Bible when I can. I'll serve when my schedule allows. I'll give whenever there's a felt need. But, And what we do is. And you're letting me pastor you, and I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. But we need to hear this, including myself, not preaching down to you, just trying to encourage you to have more of a deliberate desperation than just doing things out of religious obligation. Don't read your Bible because you have to. Read your Bible because you get to. Don't go to church because you have to. Go to church because you get to. Don't serve on the go team because you have to. Do it because you get to. Don't give because you have to. Give because you get to. There is a difference when you touch Jesus on purpose with deliberate desperation and intimacy for a relationship with Christ versus, well, I'm just going to do it because I want to make sure that when I die that we're good. And here's what's happening in our culture and society. Are not only miracles not happening like they should, but people are just going through the motions of Christianity. We're playing games. We're playing church games. Take the mask off. 
Be vulnerable. Be real. And at least admit, look, I ain't got it all figured out, but I do want to seek you with my whole heart. I want to put you first in my life. The Bible says, they that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Now, I'm not doing anything for you, Lord, to get something from you. Because if you never give me anything else, you already gave me enough. Jesus on the cross. But when I seek you with my whole heart, that does something to the heart of God. Listen, the problem is too many people want Jesus to be their Savior, but you want to be your own Lord. I want to be saved so I can go to heaven, but I want control while I'm alive. This is not a game, but that ain't how the game works. It's I'm giving you my whole heart. I'm giving you my whole life. I'm desperate for you, and I'm willing to do whatever you're asking me to do. I'm willing to lay down and give up and count the cost just to pursue you, to get one touch from you. Because listen, watch, one touch from Jesus is all you need. Come on and give God praise. I'm preaching better than you're helping. Come on. I can hear them in Montgomery County better than I can at dinner room. West Side's louder. Come on. Hey. The reason she got her healing, she touched them on purpose. And let me tell you this, another thought. Jesus is never inconvenienced by your cry for desperation. Recent data shows that on planet Earth today are over 8 billion people. 4 billion of them have recently moved to Noonan. Come on. The other four billion are in Montgomery County, Maryland. Lord, send them all. Come on, send them all. Just build a road, too, while you're at it, Jesus. Come on, send them here, but build a road. Highways and hedges, in Jesus' name. Eight billion people on the planet, and yet God knows every single hair on your head. He has seen every tear, He has heard every cry. And it doesn't matter what Jesus is doing. When he hears a pitiful plea for desperation and mercy, he stops. Listen to, listen to how Luke 8 really happens. Jesus gets out of the boat. His feet hit the seashore in Capernaum. And Jairus comes to him. Jairus is the first one to say to Jesus, I need a miracle. My daughter is at home. She's dying. She's sick. And I need you to come lay your hands on her. And Jesus is moved out by desperation. He says, well, take me to your house. And on his way to Jairus' home, this woman interrupts Jesus' plans for the day. Has your plans for your day ever been interrupted? And how frustrated do we get? And thanks be to God that he is never inconvenienced by our cry of desperation. Can you say amen to that? Jesus stops. He looks at Jairus and he says, hey, she will be well, but I've got more work to do here. Do you see that? Man, this is so powerful. Watch. Write this thought down. Desperation will always get the attention of Jesus, but your pride will always get the attention of man. Man, desperation is what stops Jesus in his tracks. But pride is what makes a man's head turn towards what you're doing. And let me tell you, 
Um, a few years ago, we had a pandemic. I don't know if you remember that, but this pandemic came and, and really did a lot of damage in, in our world. But there's a far greater pandemic than COVID-19. It's the disease to please. See, one of the reasons that many of us haven't gotten our miracle yet is because we care way too much about what other people think about us. So it's why we just rub elbows with Jesus, and it's why we don't really cry out in full desperation because, you know, we've got, we've got a certain uh, swag that we need to maintain. We've got a, a certain appearance and, and a certain, uh, you know, like title that we don't, we, we don't want anybody to think. So. I mean, I'm a CEO. I'm a business owner. I'm in politics. You need the Lord. Come on. Like, I, I am. Some, can I tell you something? It don't matter what your title is. When you get to the point in your life where you are desperate for a miracle, you will lay down that title. You will lay down the desire to please people. You will live your life for an audience of one. His name is Jesus, and his opinion is the only opinion that ever really matters to begin with. I read an article the other day. It was this week, and it was on the Internet, so you know it's true. That the average car payment right now is a thousand dollars a month. What? I looked up in the Greek what that meant. A thousand dollars a month. You know what it means? Stupid. <laughs> From the Greek word dumbo. From the Latin phrase idiota. I could do I could do this all day, by the way. Why would somebody Go to a car dealership, pay 9.5% interest, and have a $1,000 a month car payment because you care what people think about you. Now, I'm not saying don't have goals and don't have dreams and don't get you a car that runs and, you know, live in, don't live in some nice, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, is that more important than lifting up your hands and saying, God, I'll give it all back to you. You can have it all. All I want is intimacy with you. I want friendship with you. I'm desperate for more of you. And what you think about me right here, right now, matters more than what they think about me today or tomorrow. Come on. Hey, I love you. Let me pastor you. Lay down your pride. Lay it down. God, I'm hungry for you. If God told you to get on your knees and crawl to the altar of this church to get your miracle, who's crawling? I've been, I, by the way, I'm not mad. I just didn't have oatmeal today, and there's something. I've been pastoring a long time now. 20 years in ministry, 8 years as a lead pastor. It actually breaks my heart the amount of times where I know that the Lord is calling people to just be desperate and to take a move, and we don't. And then we wonder, like, God, where are you? It's like the man that was living in a house, and the flood came, and the waters rose, and so he got on top of his roof. You've heard this before. And he's standing on the roof, and he's like, Lord... I need you to save me, and a boat comes by, and they're like, get in. He's like, no, I'm waiting on the Lord to save me, and they go on rowing. A few minutes later, a guy on a jet ski shows up, get on. He's like, no, no, I'm waiting on the Lord to save me. A few minutes later, a helicopter shows up, 
Throw a lifeline. No, I'm waiting on the Lord to say. The man dies. He drowns. And he's standing at the gate and he says to God, why didn't you save me? The Lord says, I sent a boat. I sent a jet ski. I sent a helicopter. The point is this, is that when the spirit of the Lord is here, don't put it back on God like, why aren't you doing your part? God will always do his part, but you and I, we've got a part to play as well. Faith, come on, faith will cause us to risk something and cry out in desperation. Watch, listen to me, write this down. Your desperation, you want a miracle? Your desperation has to scream louder than your reputation. I need you, Jesus, more than I need the applause of man. And that's what she does on her hands and knees. With this issue of blood, embarrassed, humiliated, exhausted, but desperate, she crawls through the crowd. And, and she touched, listen, listen to me, don't miss it. She doesn't touch him, she just touches a him. And immediately, her pride could have kept her from that blessing, from that miracle, from that healing. But in that moment, it was her desperation that won. And watch Jesus' response. I'm almost done, a couple more minutes. I think I'm going to make 25 minutes. You are the God of miracles daughter he said daughter what a what a word her disease meant that she was kicked out of her family right uh, mom abandoned her father abandons her and now she touches the hem of the garment of Jesus he stops who touched me she admits that it's her. He looks down. Watch. He doesn't say, woman, how dare you? Stone her. Away with her. Daughter. And she's on her knees. And she looks up at the Messiah, Yeshua. And she realizes in that moment, you don't really care about my dirtiness or my uncleanness or my past or my history or whatever it is for us. You don't care about, you see past all of, your love is unconditional. And there is, and this is what I think she's thinking, there is nothing too dirty for you. There is no one too unlovable for you. And she realizes that there in front of her is an approachable God. That what he really cares about the most is your faith your desperation. Go. Your faith has made you well. Write down this final thought. You ready? Or take a picture of it because it's lengthy. My desperation is never an inconvenience for God. He knows my heart. He knows my need. He hears my cry. He is the God of Psalm 77, 14. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. I want every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. I don't want to transition the live stream to our campus pastors just yet. 
I'm going to give you two minutes here just to let this word just resonate in your heart. And then the campus pastors will come. Pastor David, who's here on our team, will come and give us our next steps. But will you just pause right here? And maybe at a campus near you, maybe your response of a cry of desperation is to lift your hands in worship. Maybe it's to stand in awe of the power of God. Maybe it's to turn around in your seat and just to weep for a moment. Maybe it's to come to the altar or the front of your auditorium and just fall down before the Lord. But the Holy Spirit is here. And the God who performs miracles is here. So let our desperation be the song of our heart. Come on. Lift your hands. Lift your voices. Let's take two minutes. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Hear my heart, Lord. Know my need. Hear my cry. You are the God who performs miracles. There is no one like you, Lord. Come on, right now in the middle of your storm, will you praise your way through the pain? Come on. Come on, just lift your hands. Lift your hearts. God, I'm trusting you. The miracle that I need is far greater than my own ability. So I cast my cares on you because you care for me, 1 Peter 5, 7. I give you my need today, Jesus. And I'm asking you, Lord, to make a way where there seems to be no way. I lay down my pride. I lay down my agenda. I'll give it all up for you, Jesus. I'll give it all up for you, Jesus. I'm just asking you to move. Come on, move according to your word and according to your will. 30 more seconds. Come on, 30 more seconds. Hands lifted, hearts open. Come on, whatever the need. I worship you, Jesus.